And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to the Success Story Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Clary. On this podcast, I have candid interviews with execs, celebrities, politicians, and other notable figures, all who have achieved success through both wins and losses, to learn more about their life, their ideas, and their insights. I sit down with leaders and mentors and unpack their story to help pass those lessons on to others through both experiences and tactical strategy for business professionals, entrepreneurs, and everyone in between. Without further ado, another episode of the Success Story Podcast. Thanks again for joining me. Today, I'm sitting down with Mohan Embar, who is a polygot and software engineer who's out to destroy the myths that are holding us back from one of the most low-effort, high-impact things we can do as an entrepreneur or as an individual, learn a foreign language. So he speaks eight languages himself, but that puts him in the top 1% of all polygots. Uh, And just to clarify, polygots is somebody who can speak many languages. Um, he's co-founded the company called Polytripper, which connects language teachers to language students. Uh, now think Airbnb for languages. Uh, now what started as an aha experience while reading the back of a can of cocoa during his first trip to India when he was six years old, turned into a lifelong obsession for learning languages and showing others how easy it is. Uh, Mohan has lived, worked, and studied in several European countries and is out to share his discovery and passion for what he calls linguistic Narnia to anyone who will listen. So thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate you sitting down. I'm excited to thank hear you your story. Me. Thank it's, you. So, so let's first, first, let's just discuss what a pol- what is a polyglot? Because I don't know if everybody who knows listening knows what a polyglot is. Sure, a polyglot. So you've got monolingual, which is most uh, people in English speaking countries. That means you only speak one language. Then there's bilingual, where you can speak two languages. And then polyglot is basically anyone who speaks three languages or more. So of course, I mean, within polyglots is three, four, five, six, some people speak 17, 18, 20 languages. So once you speak, once you speak a certain number of languages, once you speak more than three languages or more then you're a polyglot. And, and um, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 that's, that's very good. And, and when you say you're in the uh, top one, top 1% of all polyglots. Um, I was actually pronouncing it incorrectly. I was pronouncing polyglot, but it's polyglot. So I apologize for that. Um, so the top 1% of all polyglots. So what, what, how many languages do you speak now? I speak eight languages. I think it's, I think it's the top 1% of all language speakers. I have to relook at that stat, but it's, it's the top 1% of all language speakers. Definitely. And I know that the mo- once you go beyond three languages, the number of people in the world that can speak four, five, six languages actually goes down dramatically. So, I mean, I need to, need to double check that, but I speak, I speak eight languages. I speak 
and with various degrees of fluency. I don't speak Swedish as well as I do French, for example, but I can have unbounded conversations of, of any length in all, all of these languages that I speak, which is English, in order of how well I speak, I mean English, French, Dutch, my wife is Dutch, uh, Spanish, Italian, German, Portuguese, and Swedish. I think that's eight. I don't know if I left one out. I have a hard time. You said English, said English, English, English Dutch, French, oh, French, Dutch. English, French, Dutch, Spanish, Italian, German, Portuguese, Swedish. That's eight. Yes. Yes. It, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, so how do you, how do you become a polyglot? What, okay. So what's this? Okay. I, I mentioned this story in India. I didn't give any context. So what's the story in India and, and walk, let's, let's back it up to your life. How did you start? How did you learn your second language, for example, and, and go from there and, and also like career, like, like bring, bring out, you know, who you are as an individual. Sure. Sure. So it started out where, and I, I'll, I'll touch on this briefly because I want to, I don't want to dwell on myself so much as like um, talk about the benefits that language learning can have from other people. But just, just from my perspective, what happened was I was born to Indian parents. They emigrated from India to the United States in, 19, in the 60s or so. And so my, they're actually 17, as far as I know, I'm not, I'm not that good with Indian culture because I was born here, but I think there's 17 different distinct languages in India, each with their own script and each with like their own alphabet and stuff like that. So it's like a, it's, pretty linguistically diverse there. And they had two different mother tongues, so they always spoke to each other in English. Uh, so the only time I'd hear a different language is when my dad would talk to his parents or his sister, or when my mom would talk to her brothers and sisters or to, to her parents. Uh, but already there was like this fascinating thing. And, and as you grow up, as you're a kid, you always hear about these things like secret decoder rings or secret, you know, you know, secret ciphers and secret codes and stuff like that. So for me as a six-year-old, it was like, this is like, I'd really love to have like a secret language that I could talk that my sister couldn't understand and stuff like that. So that was that was the start of like, how, how do I learn this secret code where I could talk about things that other people can't understand? Um, and then I would always beg my mom to teach me, but I think she was concerned about me having an Indian accent and being made fun of in school, which is complete nonsense. People who are bilingual don't have an accent typically. And so that would have, those fears were unfounded, but she never taught me an Indian language. And I was always frustrated that I didn't know one, like, and I wanted to, and I wanted to. and I think one time when I was eight, I begged her to, to teach me uh, to, to say something in Telugu, which is her mother tongue. And she said, okay, I'm going to say it. And then she said it and I repeated it. And she said, aha, you have an American accent when you, when you say that. And that was like the last time I ever asked her for any kind of help or guidance. Very demotivational. <laughs> yes, it was very demotivating. Uh, but that said, when I went to India for the first time when I was six years old, I remember being in my grandparents' house and there was a can of cocoa. And on the back of that can of cocoa, there was uh, the description of the cocoa written in Hindi and also in English. And I looked at my uncle and I said, this is, this is a cipher where basically this word in Hindi is this word in English. And I thought it was like a one-to-one -one correspondence between the words in Hindi and the word in the words in English. And he's like, no, it doesn't work that way. And I was like, oh. And, and it was basically the unpacking of why that wasn't the case that led to everything else i would say uh just just basically that initial spark of why doesn't it work that way you know if it doesn't work that way how does it work you know that kind of that kind of a thing and then i guess as you as you understand and unpack more languages you understand that like you start to go into like the history of languages and where and the and the cultures and the parts of the world where they come from and 
like walk walk us through I guess you know let's do let's do a master class in languages very briefly before we get into like the practical <laughs> application today why why are they not one to one why are they not one to one well it's i i guess i'm i'm not a linguist but i guess just basically when different groups of people i don't i don't want to say grow up but when the different groups of people just just actually develop language there are different ways of of that they find for expressing sounds it's really interesting and i'm, I'm not a linguist by any stretch of the imagination but i think like there's certain words like mama and papa which are Uni like almost universal like they're they're like in far-flung places like language like chinese and 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 swedish which aren't any even remotely related they're pretty much the same words i think it's true of chinese because because those are the first sounds that babies make ma 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 ba 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 so i think that's those words kind of came from that but aside from that there i mean when you think about the grammatical structure of Chinese or Russian or German or English, they're, they're just so different. And that's, that's one of the things that I think can give um, people, people, this is like a really low hanging fruit way for people to do something for personal development that checks off so many different boxes. Um, when I, I read one of your Facebook posts, which talked about uh, things that, that you should put on your resume if you don't have any like hard skills, mm -hmm. uh, you were mentioning things like resilience, coping with pressure, punctuality, over, mm -hmm. overcoming obstacles, all those things. I can't think of any one thing that checks off so many personal development checkboxes as learning a foreign language. And that's, I think, the gospel that I want to spread. I know that uh, your your audience is primarily like uh, people who are interested in business growth and business development, I think, unless I'm, I'm mistaken. Also no, no, you, you're, you're right. But I can, I got, you know, I don't think that you speaking about the development of different languages is so out of line. Oh, with, yeah, no, 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 yeah. no. Yeah, because I, okay, no, I, so I, just to, I'm going to double down on what you just said and just to reemphasize, sure. I grew up in Ottawa where, uh -huh. where, you know, you cannot, you're, you're in the States. I'm Canadian. I grew up in Ottawa. I'm in Toronto now. Toronto is not so much the case, but Ottawa is a very bilingual city. Mm -hmm. So Ottawa is the case. Ottawa is so much so that if you don't speak, if you don't speak French, it's very hard to get a job that interacts with people anywhere. And if you want to, so my, my, my father worked for the federal government for his entire, uh -huh. well, he's, he was, he was actually in, uh, he's actually ex-police and then turned into uh, federal government. And in the federal government, you have to get your levels of language. So again, sort of like, uh, you know, it's mandatory, it's mandatory levels and you have to pass tests to show that you have a, a certain proficiency in French, Canadian, uh -huh. Canada's second language. So you have a certain, and if you don't have that proficiency, you can't get a job. You can't have, you can't have direct reports. If you are a manager in the federal government in Canada and somebody uh, is reporting to you, somebody's one of you, you know, people on your team, if you don't have a proficiency in French, you won't get that job because they have the right to be able to communicate with you both written and, uh, and you know, orally uh, through whatever type of language they deem fit as long as, it, well, as long as it's French or English. So if you can't speak French, you can't communicate with your employees if one of your employees wants to speak French to you. So I've heard that they're really gung ho about that. Yeah, they're, I was they're in very gung ho. Recently. Very yeah. gung ho. So I, you know, that's there... one of the reasons I, I, I grew up speaking French. And I moved. I moved to Toronto for for career for for career opportunities when I was younger because I didn't want to deal with the language aspect. It was just uh -huh. it was too much. It was too stressful. It was it was like it's something that I, you know I didn't know how to accomplish. Like I, I spoke French, but not at the level they required. So I just I'm like you know what? It's going to change cities because you know bigger city, less less hurdles with different languages. 
I can just speak English and just be fine. So that's a real uh, issue in, in, in Ottawa. And, you know, Ottawa is not by any means like uh, uh, the center of commerce in the world, but it still is. If you grow up in that city, you better, uh, if you want to, if you want to get into most opportunities or most, most careers, you better be prepared to learn French, especially in the government. Isn't that true? Like, isn't, isn't in Quebec, there's a rule that, that businesses over a certain size have to speak French every it, day, like on a day-to-day -day basis when they're conducting their business? I heard the something yeah, crazy like that. The language laws are a little bit nuts. Um, there's a few <laughs> different ones. So I don't, I don't know the laws inside and out, but I do know that okay. just through, you know, casually perusing different newspapers and, and media stories, um, it, there's some, there's some, there was at one point laws where you had to have French signage. You had to have like, if you had your storefront, you couldn't have like an English only sign. You had uh, to have French, French, like, and, and I think that there is something to be said. If you're over a certain size, like you have to have so many employees that can communicate in French. And, and that was, that was predominantly in Quebec, to be quite honest. I think that outside of Quebec, they don't have as such strict language laws, especially for private businesses. But I do uh, know that one of the main concerns was, um, uh, not so much in Quebec. There are obviously English parts of Quebec, but Quebec is predominantly French. But in Montreal, Montreal is a very diverse city. And there are parts of Montreal that are more English than Ottawa. So, you know, we're going through all this, uh, all these Canadian cities and whatnot, and people are listening and not from Canada, they may not know like where Ottawa is, where Montreal is. But um, if, you know, the second, so the second you go to Montreal, you will have parts of Montreal that are completely English neighborhoods completely French neighborhoods. And imagine telling an English business owner in an English neighborhood that serves predominantly English clients that because, you know, they're in, they're in, they're in Quebec, they have to uh, abide by French language laws. And that was like a huge point of contention in, uh, in a lot of, you know, political arenas uh, and whatnot. But yeah, so just, I didn't mean to take you off track there. Apologies. But yeah, I've, I've, I've lived through uh, the benefits and, and to me it was, it was an inhibitor, but I could understand the benefits of, of understanding, you know, more than one language for sure obviously uh i yeah. feel i feel bad because it sounds like that was a source of trauma for you and i think that <laughs> i think that for for a lot of people who have taken language classes or have been forced in that kind of situation or also have taken language classes in school for example like one of my one of my pet peeves is the quality of foreign language instruction in the united states because when i i, I love languages and for me they're a tool for for human connection. And, and, and also I, I find myself kind of boring sometimes. and I love learning about different cultures and different people and different things. And so languages are a tool for that because they allow me to, to just see these other universes, these parallel universes. I mean, we don't have parallel universes in real life that we know about, but I think going to another country, actually speaking that language and seeing things from the, their point of view and able to, being able to communicate them is the closest thing to a parallel universe that we'll get in this lifetime. And so it pains me whenever I hear stories for, for me, who loves this so much to hear that you went through that experience of that being imposed on you, uh, where people were forced to learn the language for whatever reason, where people have had these really dry university classes. I, I, I remember when I came back from Switzerland, I did my year abroad in Switzerland, um, junior year abroad in the French speaking part of Switzerland. And then I missed that so much when I came back that I took a university language class with a person who wasn't na native French speaker. He spoke okay, but he wasn't, he wasn't a native. And I remember just being so disappointed in that class. We were, we were learning about this really 
boring as in French literature, these philosophers like Voltaire and Rousseau, which is probably interesting for some people, but I just, I just like talking to people. Uh, you as a podcaster, you, you, I mean, you like connecting with people. Here we were just like reading these things in like these French grammatical tenses that people didn't even use anymore because it was written in the 16th or 17th or whatever century that, that stuff was written in. And my God, it's, I mean, people have such, for, for something that can give people so many positive things and so many positive benefits, uh, people have such a skewed notion of what this thing is. And you probably see that a lot as someone who, who um, advises people on business development. It's really easy. Anyone can say, I can coach you in your business development, you know, and they're probably like about, I don't know how many percentage of 90, like 90% quack coaches there are for, for like 10% gems, you know, and you have this in any profession. You have this in the medical profession. You have this in the computer profession. And the two common characteristics are, a, it's really easy for people in that field to, to, to speak in terms to, to lay people outside of that field that they're an expert and to convince them they're an expert when they're really not. Um, and B, there's so many wildly different theories and ways of, 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 of growing a business or, or learning a language or writing a good computer program that it's really difficult for a lay person to listen to those different approaches and say, oh, this is this guy knows what he's talking about. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And typically, you know, you hire the the consultant, the the computer programming consultant. He screws your project up, and then like you know, God only knows how much money out the window later. You realize that you made a mistake. But it's I really feel for people who don't have the clarity on knowing the right way to approach this, um, and the benefits that it can bring, and also the joy that it can bring when you're not forced to do it where you're not taught things the wrong way see what i mean i think well i think that's i think that's genuine passion i think that's what genuine passion is it's when it's when you really want to help people um irregardless of like monetary compensation right that that's 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 when you know you're doing something that you truly love um and and i i don't know if it was traumatic i think that's i i don't know if it's i think i probably could have just tried a little bit harder but um and, and you know just made myself learn a language if i really wanted to get a job and i'm sure that moving to a, a bigger city where there's more opportunities for me at least wasn't uh wasn't wasn't traumatic it was probably like a little bit strategic as well um and if i wanted to say in Ottawa, i could have figured it out but i know that uh everything you're speaking about in terms of like these dry language classes. I felt that I think everybody who's learned a language in a formal um, educational setting, I think has felt that to some extent. And let's like, let's understand like how, how do you learn languages and, and what's the best way to learn a language? Why do you find that the way that universities teach it is just dry and mundane? What framework are they following? I'm curious sure. to get your opinion on that. Sure. So let's, so before I go into like, how to learn a language properly. Let's let's go into why people who think that they might not necessarily want to learn a language would want to learn a language. It's, it's my thesis that, I mean, for me, I get personal joy out of it. I get the connection. Um, to share my experience when I went to Montreal, I, was, I hadn't been there since I was a kid. And so I wasn't sure uh, to what extent I would be able to speak my French there with the people there. I, I thought it was going to be like this fake French or like, you know, that, but, but it was, there were places where I was just totally immersed in like I went to some French speaking neighbors. It was, it was like total immersion. And I loved it. I loved being able to communicate with the people there. I loved being able to see like, and when they spoke there, sometimes their English wasn't even that great either. I mean, they could speak well, but it was clear that French was their foreign language and they weren't just putting on, they weren't just speaking French for this big of speaking French where they could have easily gone into English. Sometimes mm -hmm. their, their French was markedly better than their English. And so it was like a total immersion experience. And I absolutely 
loved it. Um, but aside from the joy that people who actually love languages can get by learning a language, I feel like this is like a really understated, like underappreciated vehicle for personal development that anyone who's an entrepreneur, who's that anyone who's a business person, the qualities that, that you need to be a successful business person that you mentioned in your Facebook post about like coping with pressure, overcoming obstacles, communication skills, problem solving, learning a foreign language, even if you don't learn it for anything other than that personal development aspect is totally worthwhile because it's a really, it's a really low hanging fruit way of, of, of acquiring a skill that allows you to check off all those personal development check boxes. So I would encourage any entrepreneur, even if they think that they don't want to do that, to actually use that as a vehicle for those other things, because it's a really non-threatening way of doing it. And it checks off so many boxes at once. Um, not to mention the fact that like you, you touched on where uh, it opens up more job opportunities in certain places. And, and even if you're not working in a place where they require the language uh, there, um, I'm sure that if you put on your resume, I'm bilingual in French and Spanish, uh, English and French, or bilingual in um, English and Spanish, it's going gonna, it's gonna to jump out at an employer that, wow, okay, this person has this edge that, that other people don't necessarily have. And also when you look at um, language from the point of view of increasing memory skills, they've, they've done studies where they show that people, among people who get dementia, uh, learning, knowing a foreign language can actually stave off the onset of dementia by another four and a half years. When I look at people who are, who understand that brain development is, is something that's necessary. And now you have these companies where you can go online and, and make turtles jump over other turtles in order to increase your brain power. I just want to go through the screen and shake them and say that there's a so much better, more satisfying way of doing this. Instead of like making turtles jump over other turtles, you could be going online and talking to someone in Italy, or you could be going online and talking to someone in Chile or Peru or Spain and actually having like human interaction that's developing your brain. That's, that's, you know, giving you all of these soft skills that you mentioned in that, in that Facebook post that you need as an entrepreneur um, and, and having so much more fun than, than jumping over turtles. Uh, so that's, that's really why I think that people should look at this really often ignored way of, of, of doing personal development. And then to touch on your point as to how to learn a language, definitely not the way that you learn it in high school, in most high schools and, um, and uh, universities. And like I said, I don't know if I'm being unfair to these teachers because they're hamstrung by the curriculum, curriculum requirements. I don't have the, the, the clarity on that to know what they're actually going through as far as satisfying their curriculum requirements. When I actually look at the way this thing is 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 taught it's really taught as really like this dry sterile thing where you have to memorize a bunch of grammatical rules that you're going to forget the second you walk up this room you're going to be able to read these boring works of literature that are really irrelevant well i don't want to say relevant i don't want to just through literature obviously a bunch of people have decided that that, that literature is important but but I mean, but it's I not it's not accomplishing the goal of learning a language it's it's a cultural it's so I've actually just to highlight that because I, I, I don't want to mince your words and I understand exactly sure. what you're saying, but I want to I want to clarify. So when they teach in school, I think they, they, they teach the, the verbal, like the oral, like the speaking. Then they teach uh, the proper grammatical structure so you can write it. And then they teach uh, ancillary works that just like complement um, from like a like a cultural or, or, or point of view that sort of have helped to reinforce and bring like the whole culture and language forward. 
over mm-hmm. over history. So all the, all these all these buckets are important, but I think that it's the it's the the uh, the three sixty approach that dissuades people from learning something that is that is um, a little bit more applicable in most people's lives. Most people are not going to quote Voltaire. Most people don't need to write a thesis paper um, in plus que parfait, like French, right? Like they don't, you know, like there's all these different things that you learn in school that are not applicable. And listen, this is a much larger conversation. I would love to have a conversation about the things you learn in school that are not applicable in your day to day. But I think that language, if it was a focus on speaking as opposed to, because if I go to, if I go to Germany, if I go to, um, if I go to well, uh, France, if I go to, I don't know, if I go to like Beijing, like, I want to be able to speak with people. I would also love to be able to to write, but I'm probably only there for like a week, two weeks. And I probably want to be able to, you know, converse casually, you know, order food, like go get directions. Like these are things that as a, as a tourist, as somebody who is just trying to sort of break in, I would love to do. But instead I'm, you know, I'm just either being obnoxious and just speaking English to people that obviously can't understand me, or I'm relying on like a, on like an app that translates in real time. And that's that, Uh those are like my kind of my options as, as, as me. And I I try and be sensitive and I love to learn stuff, but it's like, I wish there was an easier way to do it. So that's kind of what you're saying. Like schools do a 360. It's, it's great if you want to understand everything about it, but for a lot of people, that's not the end goal. Realistically. I don't even I think I think schools touch on a number of important things, but I'm not I'm not even convinced about the 360 part because I know people that you know study their Spanish as their major. Um, they can't really speak Spanish. Uh, I think some of the focus is on the oral stuff, and I think here, for example, in Santa Barbara, there are a lot. It, it's a lot better than it was in Wisconsin because uh, in Santa Barbara there are a lot of native Mexican speakers who are teaching in the schools versus I think those people are harder to come by in places like Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Uh, That said, um, it's really easy to what extent you can hide behind literature and uh, term papers and, and final exams and stuff like that as like a crutch for actually not being obliged to speak. And, and that's, that's one thing I really find missing when I, through all my uh, university classes, through all my high school classes, there was never one moment. I think if I, if there had been like an actual German person there that I had to talk to and I was just put in a room and that German person is like, if you don't find a way to communicate, then, then you're not going to be able to say anything interesting. That would be been much more meaningful than trying to like go through the German irregular verbs. And then in order to be able to take a final exam on that. And I think that's the part that's really missing from a lot of uh, schools. The, the notion of like, this could be a vehicle to, 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 understand a different culture to understand different people and to make yourself be able to be to be able to express yourself in those languages and really just have like this this window into like a fascinating alternate reality that that i don't know i just i just find that just so fascinating that 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 language can be a tool for that um if you approach it with that mindset and if you learn it properly so how do you okay so how do you learn it properly then so let's, so I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. How do you learn it properly? Sure. That's a very good question. So first of all, you have to start with your personal goals because every have what everyone has different reasons for learning a language. And that's one thing somebody I got, we did a Facebook live yesterday and then I got the question from one of our listeners. There's a school in Denver that says you can learn Spanish in 15 days. Is that true? And I was like, um, I can teach you Spanish in, in five seconds if, 
your goal is to say hola and I just teach you hola and then there I've taught you Spanish. So what do you mean? Like, what do you mean teach you Spanish? Like what, it all has to start with your personal goals, which are going to vary differently from person to person. And then once, and this is true of anything, and you know, you know this too, you start with your specific goals and then you reverse engineer that to find out the how from that. So if we look at the desire of a person, okay, so someone, someone just who just wants this for personal development, and I would say, okay, let's 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 use the common case. Let's use the common case of I want to go and I want to tr travel to a country and I want to be able to speak a language to the person. Okay, the first question is, to what degree do you want to be able to speak? Do you want to be able to speak it when you go to the restaurant or order food, or do you want to be able to actually like live with a host family? And do you, do you want, or do you want to go work in the country for six months? You have to look at your specific goal, and then that leads to a goal of proficiency. How proficiency do I want to become? And I, I reason, when I reason proficiency, I reason according to the common European framework for language proficiency, which starts with A1 being like a total complete beginner who knows nothing. And then it's A1, A2, B1, B2, C1, C2, where C2 is like basically near native. It's basically as close as you, could, as you can get to being a native without being a native. And so once, you figure out what level of proficiency you want. And it's also like with speaking and with writing, you know, I want to be able to speak it and I, but I don't care about writing or I want to be able to write it. I don't care about speaking. I want to be able to read medical texts because it's really important for my field, but I don't actually care if I speak it. Once you figure that out, then you, then you reverse engineer that. And I would say reverse engineering that always involves some combination of self-study and online language instruction. And it's the online language instruction that people who don't, and this is, this is my, this is my, gospel that I want to preach to everyone who doesn't know about this stuff. Um, for people who don't know about this stuff, uh, our, our common friend, the one who actually referred me to you, at one point in time, he asked me this question, like, why wouldn't I be able to use Duolingo and, and just be okay with that? Everyone, I think basically everyone knows what Duolingo is. This is a free app that you can use for drill and practice in order to learn, in order to get some proficiency in a language. And Duolingo is great. Drill and practice stuff is good. But if you divorce that from online language instruction. And I'm assuming basically that people here won't have the luxury of just going and upping and living in Italy for, for a year mm -hmm. or two years, you know, because, because the best way to get proficiency in a language is actually go live in the country itself. That's, that's undisputed. But if we assume that people don't have that luxury, then the best way to get proficiency is to get a feedback loop. People know this with piano, like people, people who learn, want to learn how to play a musical instrument it would be unthinkable for them to just get a bunch of books and then just try to learn how to play the piano without a teacher saying, hey, you know what, you're not arching your hands properly or you're not, you need to do your scales or, you know what, let's focus on these exercises for your left hand because in order to be able to play this piece, you're going to be able to like uh, increase your left hand muscles. It's literally obvious for people who have taken music lessons, who have like forced their kids to take music lessons. They know that this, this feedback loop is necessary and yet people will go for months or years, if they actually stick with it for that long, and that's 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 another thesis of mine, because the the, as you know, with any learning any new skill, the most important thing isn't this technique or this technique. The most important skill for something that you are not forced to learn is to not lose interest. That's the most important thing. If you lose interest, <clears throat> you're going to stop, and then it's game over. So that should be the overarching thing of anything that you're forced to, anything that you want to learn that you're not forced to learn. How do I find a way to not lose interest? That's number one, okay? And then within number one, it's reverse engineering your goals. And then with that, it's 
I need the feedback loop. I need, I need, it's, it's actually absolutely insane to think that you can do this on your own without a feedback loop. Because if you're, just imagine, I, if with, a, with piano, and this is something that I did, I used to, I used to skip to, uh, I didn't have the patience to, when I was taking lessons to do my scales or to do the simple pieces, I wanted to skip straight to stop jo Scott Joplin and the Entertainer and stuff like that. And once I managed to just, it's like freaking, I'm just going to do this, spend several weeks on it. And I learned how to play um, Scott Joplin. I learned how to play the entertainer. And I went to my piano teacher with that because she had basically given up on me because, because she, I never, I never used to practice. I would never, she'd give me these assignments and um, I would never practice them. I just come there and we just be doing the same pieces over and over again. Cause I would never practice them. And then one day I said, Oh, I can do Scott Joplin. And I played the entertainer for her and she was both, impressed and horrified because because she was impressed that I actually like was able to like muscle my way through it but horrified because my technique was just so god-awful horrible I was just really just using my putting my fingers in the wrong place and 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 doing things that were instead of doing other things and you could just see the look on her face like how am I gonna get him to unlearn this stuff now <laughs> so he can actually play this thing properly because he's just he's just reinforced his bad mistakes over and over and over again without actually learning just having the, the little tiny interventions point interventions along the way in order for me to, to be doing that properly and so that's why that's why people who think that they can do this alone without any kind of feedback loop are are just a missing the missing the fundamental truth that this is the kind of stuff that you can't do without feedback loops. And B, they're also foregoing a very big opportunity to have like an additional degree of human contact and also accountability. There's some, when you look at like, it, it's not maintaining eight languages and, and there's weeks that I neglect some more than others. And when I look at, for example, Swedish, Swedish is like one of my most probably unloved languages I can like I said I can speak it enough to have like a unbounded conversation but I don't focus on it as nearly as much as I could because like in some ways it's, it's more thankless than the other languages like all Swedish people think they have the God-given right to speak English with with other people and 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 a few wonderful exceptions there's some actually wonderful exceptions that I hope if they're listening to this that they know that they don't fall into this category of, of those <laughs> Swedish people but but um, unlike Spanish people and Italian people where if you just make a little bit of effort to speak their language, they're like, oh my God, that's so amazing. Good job, go get them. You know, Swedish people and Dutch people are like, why, why are you doing this? You know, we, we, all, we all speak English. Like, wh why would you ever want to do this? And that, gets, that can be extremely demotivating. That's I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. 
Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash Clary. That's netsuite.com slash Clary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn Jobs, and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. 
This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Said I've, I found a couple of wonderful exceptions. And like with the Swedish person that I do my bi-weekly um, conversations with, he's basically the only reason that I'm making forward progress because there, there's, there, I would say most weeks I do absolutely nothing except talk to him. And that's the only, that's the only forward progress I'm making. And I know for a fact that if he were not in my life, I know for a fact that if my Italian teacher, who I meet religiously every Sunday at nine o'clock in the morning, regardless of how stupid I was the previous night and watching YouTube video till three in the morning, and it's like, oh my God, I want to cancel this because I'm not going to get enough sleep. No, I, it's, it's like a gym buddy. It's like an accountability partner. You, you have to show up. And if you, if you have to show up, then it's, it's, it's an accountability partner. It's a reason to actually to, to make forward progress, even though you would have probably been inclined to like drop that or give up on your own. So that's, that's what I would say a combination of to answer, to go back to answering your question, which is like a roundabout way of doing it. I would say reverse engineer your goals and then find some combination of self-study and an online language partner, unless you're able to live in the country, which is highly unlikely that will, that will allow you to achieve your goals. So, so it does. It does. It definitely answers my question. My question. Um, and and how does Poly Tripper accomplish this? Because that's I'm assuming what your software, what your company is is achieving. So you're trying to create all those points, or or you're trying to touch on all those points that help reinforce the right behaviors, help bring accountability. Um, and you you bundle that up into something that is not just uh, a, a type of software that uh, like you mentioned, I can't remember the exact verb you said, but you said where um, it prompts and then you respond and, and that's the only interaction you have with the software. So how does, how does PolyTripper, because I, I, I referenced it as like the Airbnb 
of language teaching. I don't know if that's accurate or not. Oh, um, it's totally accurate. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So how does the, how does a software actually accomplish that? So what what lay lay out how it actually works? If I was gonna like sign up for it, what does it do? Um, sure, sure. So the, the the term you were looking for with with apps like Duolingo is drill and practice, which drill definitely practice, has yeah. its place, but that, that those are actually a sterile thing. So with with Polytripper, what you do is it's like an Airbnb for language teachers and language learners. And so say you're learning Spanish, you would go online and you could basically, basically all the teachers, people who want to teach, and we have two types of teachers. We have professional teachers and informal teachers. Um, anyone can sign up to, to teach a language on Polytripper if they have, if they speak a language natively and it, or also non-natively people can like their Italian teachers who teach English to other Italians. So they can sign up for, for our site too, but they basically, you, anyone can sign up that we accept and they indicate whether they teach professionally or informally. Uh, informal teachers have no other obligation other than to be able to engage their students and carry on a conversation in their native language. So, so anyone off the street uh, could say, I, I want to sign up to be an English teacher uh, and we would accept them probably um, if they, I mean, obviously wouldn't accept them if they, yeah. you know what I mean, basically yeah, 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 you know, yeah. we would accept most people. Uh, professional teachers have an additional uh, requirement that they be able to create more structured lessons for their students. And also we require some professionals to handle total beginners. So if you were a complete beginner with Spanish, I'm not saying that you couldn't use an informal teacher, but chances are, you know, you see, I've seen informal teachers who, who sign up and say, I don't do grammar. I don't actually know grammar. I mean, how, how well are most English people able to explain the grammatical rules of their language? So that's, I, I know I can't. To like, yeah. uh, you know, maybe some, but like, really, if you're going to drill me, I'd probably, I probably wouldn't do so well. Exactly. So if I were to, if I were to ask you a grammatical question, you wouldn't be able to answer it, but that wouldn't mean that you wouldn't be able to be a valuable conversational partner for me uh, mm -hmm. as an informal teacher. So we have those two mix of teachers and the teachers can sign up at the professional, unlike competitor sites, we actually interview all of our professional teachers. And this goes back to the point of us being passionate about this. This isn't just like this isn't just a business for us people are not just numbers for us we really want people to have a nice experience on our platform because we want people to experience some of the joy that we felt uh when we've learned a language and so uh <laughs> with a lot of sites it's funny because one of our one of the competitor sites that we're dealing with all the time people are coming from that site and they have to report that they have a you remember i was talking about the different levels that that, mm -hmm. that you have the a1 to, to c2 uh, they're not allowed to teach on that site unless they have a C2 level. And so, and it's basically very easy. You've heard of the TEFL maybe or the TOEFL. There are these tests of English as a foreign language test yes. that people can yeah. take in order to certify. So you've got all these uh, dime a dozen rinky-dink online places where you can just basically buy a TEFL diploma. You have to maybe just check a few multiple choice boxes and then suddenly you get your TEFL diploma. And they can actually take this diploma to that site and say, look, I have a C2 level in English. And that site is like, okay, yeah, sure. Come come on in, you know, and so and they and don't actually, actually vet the people. They don't. They don't. Oh no 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 no! And so, well, actually, they vet the people by asking for certificates, but they don't it. actually have an interview with these people. They don't actually. I've heard the interview process of that company is basically like the, the Zoom call where you have like you know tiny little squares of a whole bunch of people showing up in that Zoom call where it's just basically like an orientation session versus actually vetting the people. So we vet anyone first of all that says that they want to be a professional teacher. And anyone that says that they have a C2 level in English, because I'm very 
protective of my language and people misrepresenting my language, especially because of the ubiquity of those fake, not fake, but those rinky-dink TEFL diplomas that you can get online. We've actually had to like break the news to several teachers who were signed up as a C2 on that other site uh, that, dude, you'd be you're a not, great teacher for our site, yeah. but you're not, you're not a C2. So, so either you, either you bump that down the level or you say you don't teach English, but we, we won't accept you if you say that you're a C2 in English or, and other languages too. So we vet our teachers very carefully. Uh, we select the professional teachers with great care and we really want our students to have a nice experience. And so basically a teacher signs up, they go online, they set their schedule, just like with Airbnb, you can say what days of what days you're available. They say what dates and times that they're available. They set their calendar. And then you, as a student, can go and, and select the language and browse teachers who are teaching the languages that you want to teach, see what their prices are, see what their availability is. And then once you see that, you can say, I want to book a lesson for Saturday at 9 o'clock in the morning uh, with this teacher. And then you submit your lesson request. And then just like Airbnb, they either accept you or they deny you. And, and then you go on Skype or Zoom or Hangouts or whatever, and, and you do the lesson with them. And, and that's, I can't stress enough how wonderful that feedback loop is. And also I feel like I can't stress enough the, the additional advantages that we bring to the table over our competitors, because A, we, are passionate about this and there are two actual polyglots who are at the head of this and every decision we make is informed by wanting people to have this wonderful experience and 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 and, and benefit from this and b uh we also the, the, yeah the, there's the vetting our teachers but also we take less commission than than our competitors from the teachers we take 33 percent less commissions from our teachers than than our competitors because we because we want to take care of our teachers. We care for them. We, they're, they're, they're an integral part of this experience. And so why wouldn't you want to take care of them? There's, there's one competitor site which makes teachers give their first lesson for free to every student. So every new student that, that they get as a, as, as a student, they have to give that, they don't get paid for it. Like what, what the hell is that? Like who, who does that? Uh, there, there are just so many different ways that we feel that we, we are better uh, we do these weekly Facebook lives. I'm in the trenches with my students. I've got, I've actually started learning Russian, which is one of the different, most difficult languages that you can learn because I want to go be able to go on these Facebook lives every week and say, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in here with you. And Russian is like damn hard to learn. It's, it's very, very difficult. They've got a completely different alphabet. Their grammar is insanely difficult. They've got these weirdo sounds that you don't have in English. It's if you want to, if you want a language partner, you can speak to my girlfriend. She's, uh, she's oh, really? fluent. Yeah. Yeah. Is she really? Is she, yeah. where is she from? Uh, she's, uh, Uzbekistan, uh, and, uh, no Israeli way. Russian. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Man, hats off to those people. Like, I feel like if Russians have this massive edge as far as people who speak Russian have this massive edge because I think if you can learn Russian, you can learn any language. And Mandarin, is, Mandarin, like all those Asian languages are also a different story. That's like, that's a completely different universe. That's my, I yeah. think Mandarin Chinese is my next and final language in this lifetime. And then, and then I'm done with learning languages, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the trenches with these people. Uh, I'm, I'm doing these weekly motivational videos for people uh, just, just to fire them up for the, for the coming week. And we treat our teachers better. And also we, we listen to our students and teachers. The, uh, there's this one competing platform that had this one um, really amazing feature called instant tutoring in lessons where instead of booking a lesson in advance, you could 
just go on and see which teacher has turned on their instant lesson switch and just instantly book a lesson with them and have an half an hour lesson with them on the spot. And then one day they dumped this feature and people were up in arms like, why did you do that? And they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll replace it with something better at some unspecified point in the future. That was like over a year ago. People are still in that conversation that are like, what is that thing that you said you were going to replace that with? What are, like, where can I go to find instant lessons? Everyone is listening. We do instant lessons. We come to us because we do instant lessons. And so, and so I think with a combination of like being polyglots who, um, who love this stuff, with me being in the trenches, with, with us screening our teachers very fully, with us paying them, taking 33% less commissions for them, and then us actually listening to the feedback of our students and teachers as far as like what they the platform, what they want, we just recently rolled out two features yesterday, which allowed people to book uh, to, to teachers to, to actually configure the time before which they are, they want to accept a lesson. It used to be 24 hours in advance, but we made that 12, 24, and 48 hours configurable by the teacher because teachers wanted that, and we actually listened to them versus saying, "Oh, we'll we'll send this to our dev dev team and they'll prioritize it" or something like that. You know, <laughs> we we really hope that a combination of all these things are the, the reason that people would want to choose us over someone else. And also the understanding that you guys really, really, really need this feedback loop, A, in order to make you not lose interest, B, in order to have like an accountability buddy, and and B, in order to, you know, yeah, the, the feedback loop. It's yeah. just all integral parts of, of, of this process. And why, why, is, why is now um, like the golden age of language learning? Why, like, That's a you good know, point. it makes sense. So you, there's a couple of things that we touched on, you know, we, like we spoke about how to learn a language. We spoke about your, like your business practices, like the passion and, and what differentiates. Uh, but like, why do, why is now the best possible time for somebody to pick up a language and actually roll with it and learn it? That's, that's a very, that's a, I totally forgot I wrote that. And that's, that's, that's a good point because, because I've been doing this for a long, long time. I mean, I know I have these youthful good looks and everything like that, but, um, but I, I've been doing this for a long time. And so when I was learning languages, like in the early 90s, for example, it was such a different, I mean, I remember, I remember when I came back from France in 1994, we bought this video camera in France, Wanda and I, and we, we came back and I, I bought a car in North Carolina because I was, um, I didn't want to buy a car in the Midwest, which had have corroded salt, everything just messed up and everything like that. So I bought That's a car smart. In North Carolina. That's very smart. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a really cheap used car. And then I drove it to Pittsburgh to visit my dad and we were filming the whole process. I, I met his girlfriend for the first time and we were filming it. And at one point in time, I was getting into a fight with my dad because, because he thought a raccoon was a rodent and I didn't think a raccoon was a rodent. And so we were like, we were bickering about that. And then we were like, so how would we go about finding out whether a raccoon is a rodent or not? This is 1995, and we all paused. And then his girlfriend was like, "Well, there's a bookstore down the corner. I guess we could go there and try to find." I mean, so just think about what that universe was like. And that's that's the universe that I was that I was doing my language learning in. I would buy these method cassette tapes, and I would just read the cassette tapes. And that feedback wasn't there. And when I actually wrote, I actually wrote this guide for people to how to learn a foreign language in 1994, and my tips and tricks were. Uh, get a get a method with books and cassettes. Uh, try to find a video in the foreign language section of your video rental store. Uh, buy a shortwave radio because you could definitely pick up maybe <laughs> foreign language broadcast with a shortwave radio. This was all, this is my universe back then, and just I mean just a plethora of videos on YouTube, 
the ability to actually go online with it, the, the ability to do what you and I are doing right now. Just just talk to each other, and I can hear you. I can hear your Canadian accent, actually. You know, and oh no, and <laughs> it's, it's, I, I love the Canadian accent, by the way. Um, but I just just the ability to do this. I when I went to Italy, my my original plan because when I went when I did my exchange program in Switzerland. Uh, what I did was I took a university language class the year before in French, and then I met up with a bunch of French people, uh, Swiss people who had done the exchange program in the other direction. I just palled around with them and I, I made friends with them. And then I went to Switzerland and I took three three-week language courses at the university there. And they were with a bunch of foreigners and we were all just kind of muddling through this together and learning this together and so on and so forth. And that was my dream for Italian. I thought with Italian, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to go to this group language class with your former Italian. And that was my lifelong dream. I just didn't have the time. And I didn't find that the, the, the spot in my life that I was going to do that. But that was the plan for years and years and years. And then I discovered online language learning. And in two years, just with self-study and with the, the, the online language teachers, I was able to get such a good level of Italian that it no longer made sense to me to that is my goal to go actually treated myself i rewarded myself with having achieved a certain level of proficiency by going and doing like a week-long language class in genoa italy at a language school but i had to get a private teacher for that because it wouldn't have been satisfying and, and they agreed with me that that the level i had achieved even before i had ever gone to italy to, to to take the language class was just so great that i achieved over with the online language learning that that a private teacher was the next logical step in that progression. And the fact that you can get that level of proficiency, the fact that you can get that feedback loop, because the feedback loop was the thing that was missing 25 years ago. The fact that you can get that nowadays with video conferencing is amazing. If I had known that this was the way things were going to shake up back then, I would have just been so excited. And, and, and a lot of people, when you're actually in the midst of like existing technology, you don't realize how amazing it is and how many doors that opens up to what was previously possible. But that's, that's why we're in the golden age of, of language learning now because of video conferencing, because of the internet, and because the ability to get that feedback loop of people living in the country, speaking that language that you can talk to right now. In your I, you know, you're so, you're so on point and you're so right with that. And I think that we also forget given, you know, our current, our current landscape with pandemic and no one's traveling anywhere. Um, imagine if, imagine if coronavirus or COVID-19 pandemic happened 30 years ago, how cut off we would be. And, God, yeah. and I think that we're understanding and people are being forced to understand it and use new technologies. And it's, there is, I say this with, a, a you know, a lot of disclaimer as to there's no benefit to obviously COVID-19, but saying that the benefit to COVID-19 is people being forced to adopt new technology, being learning how to, uh, you know, transact internationally, learning how to conduct business remotely, learning all these new skills that are quite literally going to like change business forever. So mm -hmm. that is, that is the end result um, of, of COVID-19. And, and I guess, you know, the ability to connect and feedback loop and learning and access to information and, and everything this is what we're living through now. And this obviously, you know, the ability to learn new things, language being one of them, is just emphasized by our ability to connect with a click of a button, quite literally. Um, so it's very, very, very easy to go and learn new things now. Um, so make sure that, you know, if you, if, 
I speak about this as well, um, and I appreciate you pulling up my Facebook post, but you didn't have to do that. That's very kind of you. But I speak about like using opportunity now and understanding that we're so connected and we have the ability to go learn. And if you are sitting at home and you have extra time, if you don't, that's fine. But if you have extra time to go take the opportunity to go learn something, language could be one of those things, but there's a million, but just now like the ability to do and to, the ability to learn is, is, is there. It's right in front of us. And if you aren't upskilling in one aspect of your life um, or a variety of aspects in your life, you're, you're really missing out and you're missing that opportunity. You're missing that, uh, you know, you're missing the boat on that. So I think that now is a great time, uh, you know, with, with services like, like uh, Polytripper and whatnot to, and even like you mentioned, like the, the having that feedback loop, Polytripper aligns you with teachers, but you still, if there's, there's, if you're just not even going on YouTube and, and watching videos and learning new things, that's already an issue. But the poly, mm-hmm. Polytripper just reinforces, reinforces to a greater extent, like the ability to go learn online. So very, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and one thing, one thing yeah. I would add to that is that, is that for a lot of people, the feedback loop can be scary because they don't want to look dumb because they're afraid of looking stupid. Um, not only is Okay, there are two kinds of people, either people who are not afraid of looking stupid and they're like, they just don't care. They, they'll get up and do public speaking or whatever, you know, more power to them. Those people are going to make the, the best progress in a language because they realize part of the language involves being vulnerable, making mistakes, not being afraid to look stupid and so on and so forth. For the people on the other hand, who kind of get hung up about, hung up about this stuff, this is a beautiful, beautiful, our teachers are so patient, understanding, have experience working with beginners and so on and so forth. And so there's no better group of people to guide them through this process, which is scary for some and, and overcome those fears. You know, what a better way to overcome a fear than just being afraid of looking stupid and then realize it's not that bad, realizing that there's a patient person that's guiding you through this and, and, and that's, that's, I think, the value of being able to do these online language lessons versus just watching a YouTube video. The YouTube videos are great, and they're definitely a plus in our day and age compared to 25 years ago. But this opportunity to actually have that feedback loop and overcome one's inhibitions, um, I can't help think that that will make people a better person in so many different aspects of their life other than just their language learning. Agree. Agree. Um, I think that even if you watch a YouTube video and you, and you do pick up on some things, you're still going to have that apprehension when you go and speak to somebody if it's the first time, right? Um, that's very good. I want to, I want to, uh, I want to tee this up with a couple just like life lesson questions that you've sort of picked up over your career and your life. Um, before I move back to you know focusing on you, was there anything else about uh, language learning, current state of language learning, or polytripper that you wanted to touch on, or do we do a pretty good uh, review? No, you did a great job. No, thank you. <laughs> You're all welcome, and I'd I'd love to I'd love to have you and, and guide you through this journey because I, I absolutely love this stuff. No, thank you. Um, okay, so so a couple life life lesson questions that I like to ask, sort of a rapid fire sure. session at the end. Sure, sure. Um, one question is uh, a life lesson that you've learned over your career, both working with individuals as a teacher uh, and as an entrepreneur, um, that you would impart on someone else that you would tell your younger self. Sure, definitely. I think one of the most important life lessons that I would that that I would teach to people is if you're not an expert in something, then you're high and it's going to be difficult. We we talked about this at the beginning of the uh, of the conversation, but when you're not an expert in something and you're seeking guidance from people who are supposedly experts, 
it's very, very, very difficult to actually figure out the BS people from the real deal. And so basically do anything you can to figure that out before you actually hop on the train with an expert and then start taking that ride with them because you could waste so many years of your life going down the wrong path or being led by the wrong mentor or 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 doing the wrong things. Um, that's that's what I would tell the younger version of myself. I don't know if I've, I've, I've completely articulated that. No, I think that was very, that was, that was very well put. Um, I think that that's great advice uh, because, you know, I always, I also always speak about um, getting a mentor and mentors in different aspects of your life, which is a great thing to have. But there's a lot of people that are foolish, you know, like they're, they're full of it. So you yeah. have to make sure that you align with the right people. It's so and difficult. It is difficult. It's very difficult because another side effect of internet and online and, and being able to, to go online is people have the lowest, uh, the lowest barrier to entry to, to putting themselves out there. Yeah. So it's, you have to be very careful when you're paying somebody anything for any advice ever. I think that that's probably, I, I find, so for me, you know, it's funny. You mentioned, I just want to touch on one thing. I don't mean to take away from that. Yeah, point. No, it's no. a very good point. Take all the time you need. But like for myself, I've even found it hard to like, you know, I've done consulting work for companies in the past and I even find it hard. Like when I build out like my brand online to, to monetize it, like, I, you know, when I put out podcasts, I put out YouTube videos, I put out social, even after I, I've worked in so many different companies, I've worked in so many different environments. And I'm sure that a lot of the stuff that I do uh, could be monetized, but I feel like there's this, like, there's like a negative energy that comes with people that put out paid monetized online information. <laughs> that I just don't want to be a part of. And I don't know how I, you know, it's, it's a shame, but I think there's a lot of bad actors out there. That's really my main point. So I think that if, if you are paying somebody for some advice, it could be online or offline. I think, I think that both of them have their, you know, have their bad actors, unfortunately. And I think you mentioned a really good thing and I don't even know if it was recorded, but you said it was like 10% of, of experts actually know what they're, something like that. I can't remember the, the quote, but it was a good point. Um, but that's just, just due diligence on everyone who you, you know, you subscribe to, including I anything think, that, you know, you listen to here, like any of the people that come on the podcast, anything that I say, like, just like, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know everything. I hope I, I hope I have some advice, but I don't know everything. So like everyone who you take advice from, just make sure that um, you do enough due diligence that uh, you get some like sound grounded advice and, and you can find other people that can hopefully speak to, to their efficacy. I think philosophically speaking, I think cracking that code of trying to figure out the BS people from the real people. If we were to be able to crack that code somehow, that would be the most destructive thing I could possibly imagine. I know that things like Yelp and stuff like that are just taking a swing at that, like, mm -hmm. like a really kind of small baby swing at that. But what if they're away, we're away of like looking at all these business development people and saying, oh, you know what, this is, this is the right person. And it's actually proven, like, I, I don't know, like, I don't know other, any other way of doing due diligence right now. It's just doing a whole bunch of reading and research and stuff like that. And in the end, it's like a coin toss anyway, because yeah. you, and you, you do your best and you don't know what you don't know. That's the problem. So you just pick someone. But what if, what if somehow that code were crackable? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just. I think a lot of people would lose a lot, a lot of money if that code was crackable. <laughs> Can you imagine how many like investment advisors would lose their job when people realize? Yeah. I mean, Warren Buffett says just, just. There was this one, I'm going off on a tangent here, but Tim Ferriss, you know, you, you know, yeah, Tim I know Ferriss. Tim yeah, so he, he, there's this one um, thing that he talked about where basically he got, uh, he got into the meeting of the Berkshire Hathaway and he was, he had it all planned out where he was going to uh, 
figure out the most strategic microphone in order to be able to ask Warren Buffett this one question. And he did it and he got the one and he calculated this and he, and he actually got the question and he triumphantly went up to the microphone and he said, if you were an investment advisor, if I had $100,000, what are the actual asset classes, specific asset classes I would invest in for blah, 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 blah. You know, if I, if I just got this inheritance, I didn't have to go back to work. And Warren Buffett looked at him and he said, just buy an index fund and invest in the S&P 500 and go back to work, you know? And if, if most people knew that just investing in the S&P 500 were like the best investment strategy instead of like mm -hmm. listening to all these investments, just imagine how many people would go out of business. You know, well, the S&P 500 has, has traditionally outperformed almost <laughs> every investment advisor ever historically. Right, right. So... Right, it's and just that's... such a simple truth, <laughs> truth, and yet, and yet, you have all, and yet, these investment advisors are still in business. Like yeah. it just boggles my mind with 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 billions, trillions yes. of, of of under yeah yes. of assets under management. You know, so yeah, it's interesting. Life is interesting. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. All right, and last last question I like to ask is uh, one resource it could be book, podcast, Audible, uh, person that you have read, consumed, listened to. Um, in your in your life that you would recommend people uh people check out um ooh, that's a good question one resource book podcast everything like that i would say i would say for me it's like a it's like a my two my two biggest idols are warren buffett and dave brubeck and dave brubeck is a jazz pianist and he has nothing to do with business development or anything like that but but the takeaway that I get from both of those people who are like in two different lines of work is like, I, I saw a concert with Dave Brubeck and he was 86 years old. Uh, he didn't need to do this. He didn't need the money. Warren Buffett doesn't need the money. He feels like he says, he, he says he feels like he's tap dancing to work every day. People that have actually, because there are a million different ways to make money in this lifetime. There are a million different ways to, to, to earn a living. Um, the people I truly, truly, truly admire and aspire to be like are the people that, that say that they wake up every day and they just absolutely love what they're doing and they don't believe that they're actually getting paid for it. Um, anyone like that and Warren Buffett or David are the two examples that I think of. Um, man, what a, what, a, what a place to be in in life where you're just doing this till you're in your late 80s. Uh, you could have stopped a long time ago, but you don't because you're actually loving it and money isn't an issue for you because you found the sweet spot where your passion aligns with what people are other who are willing to pay for. Um, I think that's the, the highest degree of fulfillment that anyone can get in this lifetime. And I would love that to be the case for me too. Yeah, that's a that's incredible advice. And it's not so much it's not so much like a, a resource, but it's just like um a person to to emulate and aspire to to live your life similar to the way that they've been able to set up theirs. And it's, it's, it's difficult for a lot of people, of course, to be yeah. able to just pursue your passion. That's yes. you can't be naive about that, but you still have to say like that, that is something to definitely aspire to whatever that looks like in your specific circumstance. I think that's very good advice. Um, very good advice. Uh, and last, last question would be where do they, where do they go? People that are listening, where do uh, they go to go find out more about poly uh, poly tripper yourself? Uh, is there a website? I think I pulled it up while we we're speaking, but um, where are all the resources to go find out more? Sure, sure. So our main website is polytripper.com. Now polytripper is spelled with one L, not two L's. Whenever, it's, it's a really badly chosen name, I think, because whenever California people hear polytripper, <laughs> they think polyamory and acid trips. 
so we're we're fighting that uphill a bit. I think I'm I'm hoping that the fact that the name is searchable enough or maybe raises eyebrows compensate. And I also found out later on that tripper means a venereal disease in German. So, oh, no. so the name has got a lot of things stacked against it. But we we love the name. We personally love the name, and we already designed a logo. So that that, that ship. But yeah, the, the website is polytripper.com. P o l y t r i p p e r dot com. One l two p's polytripper.com. Um, and also, I've got a free mini course, which uh, is is free for people. It's like four part tiny video course, which talks about the mental game that you need for language learning. It doesn't focus on one specific language, but it focuses on how, like, what made polyglots like me, um, hyper polyglots, I should say. There's, I got, I just recently, I'm proud to say, I got recently accepted to the, the International Association of Hyper Polyglots. Uh, Congratulations! <laughs> they only accept people who speak six languages fluently or eight languages conversationally. So I don't know which of those they they chose as the criteria for accepting me. But I'm I'm part of this elite. I don't I don't like bragging about myself, but I mean I guess for for getting eyeballs, it's a good thing to, to throw out. Yeah, there. I think I think if you um, if you run a firm or a company focused on language learning, it's not the worst accolade to have. So. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, I I teach a course where I unpack the mental game about why you want to learn a language and also the mental game of how to learn a language. And that can be found at HTTPS colon slash slash polytripper.com with one L slash secret dot HTML, S-E-C-R-E-T dot HTML. And it's like a free mini course. It comes with really nice PDFs and you can use that as, as just my gift to the world. There are no strings attached to, to kind of learn about how to, to learn a foreign language. And finally, uh, I think, yeah, I think that's it. Poly, polytripper, polytripper.com. Oh, yes. Finally, you, you can always email me at support at polytripper.com. One of the things that, that I'm really happy about right now with this stage of business development that we're in is that we're very small and I have the luxury of doing individual outreach and I absolutely love doing individual outreach. So there's going to be a time two, three years from now that I'm not going to be able to do that practically with everyone anymore. And then it's going to be a very sad transition for me it's going to be good but it's going to be sad because i absolutely love doing the individual outreach so if you have any questions at all even if there's not a financial transaction at the end of it write me at polytripper at support at polytripper.com you can also go to our facebook page facebook.com slash polytripper post a question there be part of our saturday facebook lives we do this weekly facebook lives like i said i'm out in the trenches with everyone else uh doing my doing my russian um struggling through that and so we really want to make this a, a really like supportive amazing community where people can find out how amazing this 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 language learning thing is uh for their personal development for the doors it opens as far as being able to understand it. especially in this environment also the sad environment with with racial discrimination and everything like that i can't help think, thinking that if people actually learned the reasoning they need in need in order to understand other people's viewpoints, understand other people's ways of speaking, understand other people's communication styles, that a lot of the insanity we're having in the world today wouldn't be there because people have actually like strengthened their empathy muscle. And I think mm -hmm. it's a really wonderful, non-threatening way of doing that. That's all for today. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of the Success Story Podcast. You can download or stream this podcast wherever podcasts are available, including iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many others. You can also watch this podcast on YouTube. If you haven't already, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, and peers. Please leave us a rating on iTunes. It takes about 30 seconds as it allows other people to find our podcast and lets our amazing guests reach even more people with their message. And remember, any rating is fine. 
as long as it contains five stars. I'm Scott Clary from the Success Story Podcast, signing off. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash Clary. That's netsuite.com slash Clary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a quality qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. 
hard. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story too. So there's five brothers, they filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. 